Life is full of challenges with an unpredictable economy and just the surprising life changes. You need to be prepared to weather any storm. Elder law and estate planning attorney Kevin Tharp and financial advisor Gary Anderson are available to help you with life's difficult decisions. This is Truth in Planning. Important decisions that can shape your financial future. I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors. And I'm Kevin Tharp, elder law and estate planning attorney. Kevin, we all make decisions our whole life. Every day we're making any number. could be thousands of decisions every day. And we always sometimes realize, too, that maybe a decision that we made uh, it didn't work out quite right. We, you know, we made a decision sometimes on a very small detail, and it turns out to have a lot more impact than we ever thought of somewhere down the line. Sometimes we realize the impact of that immediately. Sometimes it takes years to understand, wait a minute, that little decision I made back there about making that trip or, or buying this car or whatever turned out to be, well, maybe it wasn't the best thing after all. When it comes to retirement, when we're talking about your, your retirement, your financial future in retirement, little teeny things that you do now, little decisions you make can have a lot of impact later down the line. You know, you're, you're big on Forrest Gump. You've probably seen it, you know, a dozen 150 times. times. Like I have, because you just love to see it every now and then. It's just something you always go back to. It's one of those few movies that you don't mind just seeing over and over over the years. Well, this is a good example of making a decision here. Of course, when Forrest Gump was younger, he had braces, braces on his legs, and it kept him from being able to run very fast, couldn't get around quite as well. And uh, these bullies took advantage of him all the time, too, because he couldn't get away from them. He had those braces on, couldn't get away. And um, if I'm not mistaken, one day he was waiting on a school bus, and the, the bullies start up with him, and um, he starts to run. This is where Run Forest Run came from. He starts to run from them, and knowing that they're going to catch him at some point anyway, but as he's running, the braces come loose. They, they just break free, and he starts running, and he ran like the wind. He was so fast. He had this, he found out that those braces actually all those years had probably increased the strength in his legs, so when he lost those braces, he was faster than anybody out there. As a matter of fact, he was so fast that he got a football scholarship, if you remember. At University of Alabama, <laughs> run, Forrest, run. And he just, I just kept running. As that's he right. And, he, and that's right. He made the decision there to keep running, and he ran pretty much his entire life after that, and he wound up being a multimillionaire because of his, his skills with running and this cross-country thing that he did several times because he kept going back and forth across the country, made him a pretty famous person. And it benefited him real well. Then he goes to the military, and he saved his captain's life for one thing because he was such a good runner, saved several people's lives. And uh, after that, he became a very successful investor, too, because he invested in that little fruit, fruit company, company called yeah. Apple. And he made a fortune with that, just like Captain Dan did. And so that little teeny decision he made right there as those braces came off, and he, and he started to run, and he ran fast, and then he kept running. The decision to keep running gave him all these opportunities down the line somewhere. So 
That little decision turned out to be a big thing in his life. We see that with retirement. We see that with our financial lives. Little teeny decisions, a purchasing decision we decide to make. You know, maybe something small. Sometimes those turn into other things, good or bad. It kind of multiplies itself. So we always, the older we get, I think we realize the value of making good decisions when it comes to our financial future, especially when we're getting into retirement. Because there's a, there's a lot of mistakes you can make. It's not something that, you know, just comes natural to most people. We only retire once, hopefully, when we decide to do it. We only go through this one time. The learning curve is straight up when we hit the retirement years. So there are a lot of decisions that need to be made. And sometimes it takes help to make the right decisions to benefit you the most somewhere down the line. You're listening to Truth and Planning. I'm Kevin Tharp, Elder Law and Estate Planning Attorney, and I'm having a conversation today uh, with my co-host, financial advisor Gary Anderson of Anderson Advisors, and he's talking about little decisions that you make today can have an impact on your future, especially in retirement. And that, use the example, uh, which I can relate to because I love movies, uh, and I use those a lot as an example, and that's one of my favorite movies is Forrest Gump. But you know, the decision that his mom made to give him braces, I'll never remember, forget in the scene when she was dying of cancer and he'd grown up and done all these famous things and the doctor that put the braces on him patted him on the back and says look like we made a good choice we got you straightened out didn't we boy (laughs) Uh, and there was another positive thing apparently i didn't know this but elvis learned how to do his elvis shake from forrest gump with his braces exactly Forrest was learning how to dance, and he showed Elvis how to dance. So there you go. another positive thing that comes out of one little decision. Stuff happens. Stuff happens. <laughs> you know, it happens, as Forrest Gump said. Well, one thing that's going to happen to most of us one day, if we live long enough, and uh, most of us do, is retirement. When to retire. That's a decision you have to make. Sometimes it seems simple. But then sometimes it might be a little more complicated than you thought it was. You have to remember one thing. When you're thinking about retiring, sometimes retiring for retiring's sake is not the best reason to retire. And what people find, and you see this a good, really quite often, is that yeah, if you think you're going to retire when you were 60 years old or 65 years old, And then you get to that point and you think, okay, that's when I said I was going to retire. I'm going to do it. Well, sometimes that decision might be a little bit premature. You might still be enjoying what you do. You don't want to leave your work. Or you're able to take more time off from work and do the things you wanted to do anyway. So sometimes working longer really can benefit you a tremendous amount further down the line. Even working one year longer can have a huge impact on your retirement from this point forward. You've made a paycheck for another year. You're able to make more, make that amount of money in a year's time that can save you that much money somewhere down the line somewhere else. That's money you can use now, the, the retirement money that you would have used now and decided to work, that's going to benefit you later, and it can multiply. It can increase in value greatly over time. So the time value of money really comes into play when you pick the time to retire. Now, on the other hand, sometimes people wait too, could wait too long to retire. They didn't need to wait that long. They had everything set in place. They had enough 
an income both now and in the future to handle their retirement. And so maybe they could have retired earlier. Well, that's a decision you have to make. And uh, sometimes you need a little bit of help doing that. And that's what your financial advisor is for, is to help you make that decision and make the right decision, not just a knee-jerk reaction, I want to start retiring at a certain age, and then you do it. But why do you want to retire and what that can do for you if you decide to work longer or decide to work not quite as long? Either way, that's what you have help for. And that's, that's something that once you get that input and you make the right decision there with that, it does have an enormous impact all throughout your retirement years and both for both you and your spouse. That's what you have advisors for. And that leads us to another thing, and I'll cover that in my next segment too, Social Security benefits, when to start taking Social Security. Always a big question. It's something that people do really agonize over a lot of times because you just don't really know when to pull that trigger. Sometimes it's a knee-jerk reaction that you a decision you make there to start at a certain time might not be the best thing. There might be alternatives, and that's something I'll go over in my next segment. Gary, I know our listeners uh, want to make sure they're making the right decisions, the best decisions today. So how can they reach out to you? Kevin, they can call us at Anderson Advisors, 888-371-2847. In the next segment, we're going to talk about Home Matters. Kevin Tharp, Elder Law and Estate Planning Attorney. And I'm Gary Anderson, Financial Advisor, Anderson Advisors. Gary, there's a radio show that comes on every Saturday on this station. It's called Home Matters. And the hosts on that show talk about a lot of different, uh, it's kind of like a home fix-it show. It's a home uh, idea show. They have everything from uh, painters to electricians to foundation experts. And uh, it's a really interesting show if you're if you're a homeowner. Uh, because it gives you ideas, it gives you contacts of things to do when you have an electrical problem. And oftentimes the timing of it is really, really good because you happen to have an electrical issue and they happen to have an electrician on there. So the timing issue is very good. And I've actually had the honor of being uh, a guest uh, on that show uh, before. In fact, as recently as uh, August 26th, I was a, a guest on that. And so what does an elder law attorney have to do with a home matter or a home fix it show. Well, it's about home matters. One of the most common assets that we own, single or married, is we own a home. Different sizes. Some people have a quarter of an acre lot. Some people live on 80 acres. Some people live on the same place that they work. They farm. Uh, there's still a lot of people who uh, make a living as farmers here in, in North Georgia. Um, there's people who have chicken houses and Gainesville's not the poultry capital of the world for by accident. Um, so there's a lot of people that live and work in their home and home matters. And home is not just necessarily the physical structure, but it's the land that it sits on. And what I do as an elder law attorney has a direct connection to home because it matters to us. That's where we raise our kids and our grandkids. And 
Uh, for many people, that's where uh, the last place they are when they take their last breath and go to heaven is they want to be at home. They want to be at home surrounded by their family. A lot of people want to be at home when they get their care as they get older. So home is very important, and it's very important in this regard because it is your home, and that includes the land it sits on. From an elder law perspective, here's a couple of things that I can tell you about your home. First of all, your home matters because it's the type of asset that is protected if you get sick and go into a nursing home. It may not necessarily be protected if you get sued in a lawsuit or even a divorce, but in many areas of asset protection, especially one of the most common ones that we face, if we go into a nursing home, your home is the type of asset that is protected. And as we live longer, this risk of incapacity becomes a greater and greater risk. And if we get to a point in our life where we cannot do anything for ourselves, we call that complete incapacity, like where my mother was when she fell and hit her head a number of years ago, complete incapacity, then we have to get help outside the home. And that's where a nursing home enters. And nursing homes are expensive because the care is extensive. It's literally 24-7 care. And because it's so expensive, Many people cannot afford it, and that's where the dilemma comes in. Many people are told, either by this myth that has repeated itself over the years or often perpetuated by the nursing home itself or the people that work there or sometimes even lawyers, you will lose your home if you go into a nursing home. So the next question that most people ask is, so if I'm going to lose my home, what can I do now? What decision can I make today that will impact me in the future? So just like your uh, previous segment, you talked about financial decisions you make today can impact you Mm -hmm. in your retirement. Well, there are some decisions that people make today when it comes to their home, and it impacts them in the future when they go into a nursing home. And so this is why I start with this legal principle. If you focus on the type of assets you own and you will realize that your home by law is the type of asset that is protected from you having to sell it and spend down the money, you can qualify for Medicaid if you keep your home. You're listening to Truth in Planning. I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors, and my co-host, Kevin Tharp, estate planning and elder law attorney today, is addressing home matters. And Kevin, this is something that every day you talk to someone, and pretty much every day I do too, about the home being a protected asset. People don't understand it. They don't get it. And I think it's mainly because they get a lot of conflicting information out there. And that's why I do this. That's one of the main reasons that you and I do this radio show is so that we can get people out correct information. Because once you grasp or get a handle on this concept that the home is the type of asset that is protected, and there are others, but we're focusing on the home today, your home is the type of asset that is protected while you're living from Medicaid spend down. So knowing that, 
here with that armed with that information here are some decisions that you can make today that will have a positive impact on the future if you do have to go into a nursing home or when you do pass away and what is one of those decisions that you make don't give up ownership don't think that since your home is the type of asset that is protected don't think that you can protect it by giving up ownership in fact just the opposite will happen so once you realize that the home is the type of asset that is protected as long as you keep ownership then that leads to the various obvious next question well why have i heard or were told that you got to give up ownership in order to protect the home because that that's another myth that has perpetuated itself because people don't understand the first legal principle so in making decisions if you understand that first principle that your home is the type of asset that is protected then you think well then I don't need to give up ownership I don't need to follow the advice to take my home and deed it over to my children and even try that thing of oh I want to keep a life estate that's a famous little thing okay you're still giving up ownership of your home there's a lot of people who followed the advice uh of putting it into an irrevocable trust in order to get benefits to help pay for their care. There are a lot of attorneys, elder law attorneys, even a few that advertise on this station that recommend putting your home in an irrevocable trust. Well, irrevocable means you give up ownership. And if you give up ownership, number one, you're unprotecting that which is already protected. Why? Because if you give up ownership, there are penalties that are associated with giving up ownership. And one of the biggest penalties is it's called the Medicaid look-back period. Right now, it's five years. If you give up ownership today and within five years go into a nursing home, you're going to be penalized for giving up ownership. You're going to be penalized and not be able to get government benefits when you could have gotten that Medicaid if you kept ownership of your home. So if somebody's recommending that you give up ownership of your home, if somebody's recommending that you put your home in your kids' names or you put it into an irrevocable trust, ask them what the penalties are. And that five-year look-back can change to 10 years, and you're still within the look-back period. Oh, you could have done it four years and 364 days before, and if they change that look-back period to 10 years, you still got another five years to go. And you don't ever know when the government's going to change that look-back period. So home matters, and what is even more important is that what really matters is you keep ownership of your home. And that's why we like using a revocable living trust, because it allows you to keep ownership and when you pass away, you pass ownership to your spouse or to your children, and nobody has to go through probate. And we're going to talk about probate in your home in the next segment. Kevin, why don't you tell people, give people your information so they can talk about protecting their home? Gary, the best way is through my website, kevintharp.com. When should I start taking Social Security? That's coming up next.
good time to take Social Security. I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors. And I'm Kevin Tharp, elder law and estate planning attorney. So it's a good time when you take Social Security? Is that the time? When to start taking Social Security benefits. Okay, got it. (laughs) That's what we're talking about today. And this is a question that people have about as much as anything in my business and the financial business as as you can think of. There's always this decision you have to make as to when you should start taking Social Security. And that answer to that question should not be as soon as I can. Even though some people will, they'll start taking Social Security as soon as they can, which how soon is that? Age 62, you can start taking it then. Well, why not start getting your Social Security check then? Sounds like a good idea to me. Maybe you're still working. Maybe you're not. Sometimes people are still working. They get that check. They started at age 62 getting it. There's several issues involved there, and this is one of the decisions when we talk about small or seemingly small decisions that we make at points in time in our life, this is one of them. We're making a decision there. The problem is it can be so impactful that it hurts you later down the line quite significantly if you do start taking it now. And sometimes there's not one size fits all. The reason that age 62 is there is because sometimes people need to start getting their Social Security. They don't have any other choice. They've got to have that to make sure that their ends meet during their retirement years after they start working. So there is a reason for it. Sometimes people decide to take it because they've got so much retirement income anyway, they just see that as an opportunity to start making a little bit more money to do things for other people with. Well, that's a great idea. But there has to be a reason to do it. Because we know the longer we wait to start taking Social Security, the greater the benefit's going to be, substantially better. So sometimes people talk about the break-even point. Well, if I I start taking it at 62, uh, let's say I wanted to start taking it at 66, and that's four years naturally after I turn 62. Well, it's going to take me, some people say, eight years to make up for that to make up for the amount of money that I didn't make those four years when I was between 62 and 66. And yeah, there's kind of a makeup there. But on the other hand, what are you giving up when you start taking that income earlier? Because let's say at age 62, you're going to get $1,200 a month. Knowing that if you wait until age 65, 66, depends on what your full retirement age is, knowing that you could wait till then and get $2,000 a month, because that's about what it would be. Just waiting those three or four more years will earn you $800 more a month income for the rest of your life. So that's $800 doesn't necessarily sound like a lot, but when you say $800 times 12, that's $9,600. It's almost $10,000 a year right there that you're now making if you had just waited those few years. And then there's always the maximum retirement age at age 70, as it is now, where your income even would would represent a lot more. So just because you can start taking Social Security at any certain age doesn't mean that you need to or have to. Sometimes people forget about this, too. Let's, For example, let's take a, a fictitious couple, Bill and Mary. And Bill, eh, he's not in great physical shape. 
he's had some he's had some health issues over the years. He doesn't really think that eh, I'm not going to last that long anyway. I have a good idea that I'm not going to live this many years. I might not live to be 70 years old. So why wouldn't I take it right now? And that's Bill. Okay, start taking it at age 62. One thing that Bill is forgetting about, a very important thing, by the way, one person that Bill is maybe forgetting about at this point is Mary. And Mary, his wife, can take have a really, really good benefit here if Bill decides to wait. So we want to get into a little bit more about Bill and Mary to give an example of what kind of impact Bill waiting to take that retirement, that Social Security income will be, versus taking it at an early age, age 62. We're talking today on Truth and Planning about a good time to take your Social Security, and there's different times, depends on your circumstances. But a lot of people think, well, if my retirement age, as you said, is 62, isn't that the best time? Well, I can tell you personally, uh, with my oldest brother, he was in that mindset. He said, well, I'm 62. I think he really just needed a break from all the different jobs he was and, doing, and especially outside construction work. Yeah. Um, but things changed after he retired, and all of a sudden he realized, hey, I need to go back to work. And now that may not have been uh, a good situation uh, because now he may have to pay some of that back or it could reduce the benefit it gets down in the mm-hmm. future. Uh, or if he goes back to work, it ends up being taxable. So it's not always exactly one size fits all. And that's a good point, too, Kevin. As as an aside here, I've, I've covered this a couple of weeks ago, I believe. At 62 years old, you start taking it. Let's say you're getting your Social Security. You make the decision, do it. You, you get everything signed up. You talk to the Social Security people. They got you going, and, and you're going to start getting at age 62. Well, if you do have second thoughts or if you do have some buyer's remorse at starting age, at your Social Security at age 62, I've had several uh, calls on this since I did it in the last the, the previous show. You can actually do a do-over. At, at age 62, if you start taking it and decide you don't need to or you want to go back to work because, you know, the grandkids are driving you crazy or whatever it is. Or your wife tells you you need to go back you know, to work. You need to get out of this house. Then within that first 12 months, you can tell Social Security, wait a minute, I did make a, a decision there and I wish I hadn't made it. Can I stop it and start it again at another time? Can I stop my Social Security payments now, start getting it another time? And the person at Social Security, who are, they're very helpful with this. You just don't get this information in really out there. They're very helpful with it. They'll tell you, yes, you can do it. Because within the first 12 months after you start taking it at age 62, you can decide to stop getting Social Security. You have to pay back. Like you mentioned, Kevin, you have to pay it back. Whatever you've received, you send them a check for that. Then you wait, and you can wait until you're 70 years old then to start taking Social Security if that's what you want to do. So anybody out there who started taking at 62 and now you're realizing, well, this thing isn't working out quite like I planned. I want to go back to work. I want to go back to work part-time and stop my Social Security. Within that first 12 months, you can do it. That's a big point. That gives you that's a do over on a decision you made that turned out to be not quite the decision you probably should have made. Now you get you you get a mulligan with that, which well, is really and a part nice. of that 
looking back, buyer's remorse, if you want to call it that, was the fact that uh, my oldest brother was married. And it appears, yep. mm-hmm. given the fact that they're no longer married now, could have been a huge factor in the fact that he didn't consult with her. He didn't really right. consider. So they end up like being Bill and Mary. This is something that as a married couple, when you take it, may not be such a good time as you think because it could have an impact on your spouse. Well, that's right. And let's talk about Mary for a second here, because Bill, let's say Bill, the fictitious character, decides to start getting at age 62 because his health is not good. He might not last that long. We're forgetting about Mary. Mary, whose health can be really good, and she might live to be 100 years old for all we know, Bill's shortchanging her because we're talking about a difference in income of a couple of thousand dollars a month potentially that if Bill had waited until age 66 or 67, whatever his retirement age is, or waited till age 70, he's giving Mary an incredible benefit. So let's say he doesn't live that long. Let's say his health issues do come into play. Mary is going to get an incredible benefit from Bill's waiting to take Social Security later because she's going to get the greater of the two Social Securities. One goes away. Well, if Bill decided to wait several years, wait till he's 70, let's say, even to take Social Security, Mary is going to get quite a, an in- increase in what she would think with Social Security would be. It could be three, dollars $4,000 a month easily by then. And then Mary gets to enjoy that benefit for the rest of her life, the next 20, 30 years. So that's what we want to focus on is make sure that you're making the right decisions. And if you want to bounce these things off of us, we'll be glad to have you in. Call us at Anderson Advisors, 888-371-2847. In the next segment, we're going to talk about what happens to my home when I die. What happens to my home when I die? I'm Kevin Tharp, Elder Law and Estate Planning Attorney. And I'm Gary Anderson, Financial Advisor, Anderson Advisors. Gary, in the last segment, we talked about home matters. And home is one of our most common, one of the most common types of assets that we own. In fact, that's where home uh, is the type of asset that we focus on in determining protection. Because one of the most common questions that people ask me is, will I lose my home if I go into a nursing home? You might have even heard me do some of the radio ads. Uh, will I lose my home if I go into a nursing home? And the answer to the question is no. Because your home is the type of asset that is protected while you're living if you go in a nursing home. Protected meaning you will not be forced to sell it and spend the money to pay for your care in a nursing home. You can actually get Medicaid to pay for your nursing home because you're without selling your home. They will not put a lien on your home while you're living in exchange for getting Medicaid. Because sometimes people leave the nursing home and go back home. They want to pass away. They want to hospice comes into their home and they don't want to die in the nursing home. They want to be at home. So if you're forced to sell your home, where are you going to go? You become a permanent resident of the nursing home. So that's why one of the reasons that your home is protected. And when you have a spouse and possibly dependents at home, there's another reason. If you are forced to sell your home because you go in a nursing home, you're instantly, you and your family could become homeless. So your home is the type of asset that is protected while you're living as long as you keep ownership. 
So one decision to be mindful of and careful of is don't ever make the decision. Don't ever follow the advice that someone's telling you that in order to protect your home, especially if you go into a nursing home, you've got to take it out of your name and put it in your kids' names, or you've got to take it out of your name and put it into an irrevocable trust. Because if you give up ownership, that's the one thing that will unprotect the type of asset, your home, that is protected. Now, another common question that I'm asked is, okay, so I understand that while I'm living, my home is protected, but I heard I could lose my home when I die. So what happens to my home when I die? Well, just like the one thing type of asset determines protection of your home while you're living, there's one thing that determines protection of your home when you die. There is one thing that determines what's going to happen to your home when you die, and how it, and that answer is how it's titled. That's what determines what happens to your home when you die. It's not whether you have a will. It's not whether you have a trust or not. It's how is that asset titled. Because how it's titled will determine whether you need your document or not. One of the most common documents that people have is they have a will. But then they turn around at the same place, even maybe with the same lawyer who helped them close on their home, that same lawyer uh, entitles it joint with right of survivorship and then t- uh, turns around and charges the client a fee to prepare a will that says, when I die, I give it to my surviving spouse. Title negates the document when they're not coordinated together. And ultimately, even if you title it joint, there are some consequences that are universal for all of us, and those consequences are all centered around, tell me how the asset is titled. You're listening to Truth in Planning. I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor. My co-host, Kevin Tharp, today is talking about home matters. And Kevin, this is something that is a big issue for people. It's a big issue for families, and it does have an impact further down the line when people do make decisions about their home, what to do with it now versus doing something with it later as far as planning is concerned. So it, it, it gets confusing. It's a very confusing subject, but I think most of it is the fact, again, we just don't really understand exactly what the impact is because of the things that we're told, the information that we get. And that's why, again, why we do this radio show, because we give clear information. And here's what will determine whether you lose your home while you're living. What type of asset? It is the type of asset that is protected. That's what the law has always said. And so don't give up ownership in order to protect it. You can keep it. And when you die, what will determine what happens to it when you die is how it's titled. So when I say titled, I'm talking about in relation to a home. So you can't name a beneficiary on your home. You can't on your deed say, when I die, I want it to go to my wife or I want it to go to my children. You can't name a beneficiary on your home like you can on your retirement account or a life insurance policy or a bank account now even. So... When you die, it's how the house is owned, how it's titled when you die, that will determine what has to happen next. And the forms of titling 
are either sole ownership in just in one person's name, joint ownership, or joint with right of survivorship, okay, or you own it in a trust. It's that simple. So if you're a married couple and you own it joint with right of survivorship, here's what I can tell you is going uh, to happen. First of all, you're not going to need a will to pass title of that home from yourself to your spouse because the law of title says it automatically goes to your surviving spouse. So don't spend a bunch of money on a will or updating your will if the title to your home is owned joint with right of survivorship because there will be no need for the will when one of you dies. Now, here's what happens with joint ownership. It ends up in sole ownership and just in one person's name. So husband and wife, Bill and Mary, own their home joint with right of survivorship, and Mary dies, it automatically goes to Bill because it's joint with right of survivorship. Now it's just in Bill's name. Bill passes away not long after Mary, doesn't get the opportunity to change title. So how does Bill get it from him to his children or grandchildren or whoever else follows him? Probate. That's the number one consequence of titling is somebody's going to go through probate when you have it titled joint or you own it just in one person's name. And joint ownership eventually ends up sole ownership. Whether a person goes through probate or not, what happens to your home when you die, whether your family has to go through probate or not, is dependent on how the home is titled. Not that you've got a will. In fact, that's why you have to go through probate is because you cannot title your home in the name of your will that contains your wishes about what you want to happen when you die. So to fill that gap, your family has to go through probate to achieve what purpose? Pass title. A will not being a complete estate plan requires probate. The absence of title equals the presence of probate. So that's why we recommend another form of titling called a revocable living trust. So the revocable living trust lets you keep ownership while you're living. That's what revocable means. You can have one. Your spouse have one. You can title your home in the name of your respective trust. And when Mary dies first, the trust says, give it to Bill. Bill dies first. It says, give it to Mary. Bill and Mary are both gone. It says, give it to their children. And nobody has to go through probate. Why? Because title has been coordinated with their document while they're living. They've not given up ownership. It's not changed the type of asset that is their home, and therefore they avoid probate. And when you avoid probate, liens can't be put on property that passes outside of probate. You can protect it by passing it outside of probate. And that's why we like using a revocable living trust. You'll know exactly what happens to your assets when you die. Kevin, why don't you give people your information so they can come in and talk to you about it? Gary, the best way is through my website, kevintharp.com. 
Investment advisory services are offered through Anderson Advisors, a registered investment advisory firm. Anderson Advisors is an independent financial services firm that helps people create retirement strategies using a variety of insurance and investment products. Investments involves risk, including the potential for loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Any reference to protection, safety, and lifetime income generally refers to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the strength and paying capabilities of the insurance carrier. This show is intended for informational and educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment advice. You should consult with a financial advisor to help determine the best options for your particular circumstances. No statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not endorsed by the United States government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions construed herein presented by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable. Completeness cannot be guaranteed. Neither Gary Anderson nor Anderson Advisors is affiliated with attorney J. Kevin Tharp or any guests on this show. Mm-hmm.